Hey, it's Kaylee Cuoco for Priceline. Ready to go to your happy place for a happy price? Well, why didn't you say so? Just download the Priceline app right now and save up to 60% on hotels. So whether it's Cousin Kevin's Kazoo concert in Kansas City, go Kevin! Or Becky's Bachelorette Bash in Bermuda. You never have to miss a trip ever again. So download the Priceline app today. Your savings are waiting. Go to your happy place for a happy price. Go to your happy price, Priceline. This episode of the Bear Stalk Underground is brought to you by PointsBet. Guys, it's finally here. Sports Drink and PointsBet have partnered up to bring you the world's greatest BTU-themed threads for the Bear season. Just imagine the blue and orange confetti cascading down from the rafters of State Farm Stadium while you're donning the greatest t-shirt known to man, a Bears Talk Underground t-shirt. And it's very simple. You got to go to sportsdrink.org slash shirts, fill out the quick Google form, register for your points bet account, and deposit at least $10. That's all it's going to cost you. You want to get your hands on this t-shirt, and then finally you upload your proof of deposit uh, as well. Once you submit... Our beautiful friends will have your shirt out the door and on the way to you. And once again, that is sportsdrink.org slash shirts. Once again, sportsdrink.org slash shirts. Guys, I'm in my 16th season doing this show. It's the first time I've had a shirt available for my podcast. I'm so proud to finally have one, and I want you to have it. So follow the steps and get yourself your very own Bearstock Underground t-shirt today. And thank you to PointsBet for partnering up with Sports Drink. And thanks to PointsBet for sponsoring the podcast. <laughs> What's up, guys? Back to recap week number nine and close the book on the week. Get ready for week number 10. And, uh, you know, another interesting week of, of games. Um, got some, a couple of upsets in there. Uh, some real exciting football, uh, actually. And uh, the kid did pretty well with his picks. Spoiler alert, I went nine and four. So, yeah, it was another good week. For me, going to be putting some more space between me and 500 uh, after another uh, solid week. So uh, what do you say we go ahead and just dive right in? This is the Week 9 NFL Review episode of the Bears Talk Underground. So let's get to it. We start in Houston, where the Philadelphia Eagles, the NFL's only undefeated team, or only remaining undefeated team, I should say, uh, visited the Houston Texans on Thursday night to uh, get the week uh, started. And the Texans were game uh, in the beginning. I was watching the game, and uh, my buddy and I were texting back and forth uh, with each other. And, um, you know, it was... um, it was close in the beginning. I mean, the Texans actually opened the game with a nine-play, 75-yard drive that resulted in a uh, a touchdown, you know, and just like that, boom, right out right out, right out, the gate, the, the Texans are up 7-0. Uh, Philly answered with an 18-play, 91-yard drive that took over eight minutes uh, on the clock to uh, to answer the score with a Miles Sanders TD run, so at least they were able to to answer. But it's like at the end of the second quarter, uh, Philly scored another touchdown, and then um, right before halftime, uh, the Texans were were turned what was going to be a run out of the run out the clock kind of drive uh, into a touchdown drive when Damian Pierce broke a big uh, run just before halftime. It, you know, it was like the the Texans were looking to run the clock out, and Pierce broke one big for about forty something yards. I mean, maybe more than that uh, actually. And then all of a sudden, you see Pep Hamilton, the offensive coordinator. For the Texans, his play calling changed, and all of a sudden now the Texans are throwing uh, the football, and uh, Davis Mills is able to find Chris Moore uh, in the end zone for a 13-yard touchdown pass that tied the game at halftime. And when my, when my buddy and I were texting each other, it's like, the Eagles need to quit screwing around here because the last thing that you want to do when you're playing a team that you're supposed to just wail on from one end of the game to the other is give them hope. You know, you don't want to give them any kind of thought that they actually deserve to be out there with you. And I know that's that sounds very arrogant to say, but when it comes to football, that's the attitude you have to have. If you let somebody keep hanging around, it's going to hurt you eventually. And um, in the second half, uh, the the Eagles were able to flip the game when, uh, you know, they turned to Davis Mills interception into an A.J. Brown touchdown about midway through the third quarter 
the Texans, you know, looked like they were going to, you know, stay game in the whole thing and and, and uh, on the the ensuing drive, moved the football fairly well, 12 plays, 63 yards, but ended up having to settle for a field goal, and that's as close as they would get. Uh, the Eagles added a touchdown um, early in the fourth quarter uh, to make the score 29-17, and that's how it finished out. But, you know, the Eagles were, were, were playing with fire there for a while, uh, letting the Texans hang around because – we know personally as Bear fans that, uh, you know, the Texans are game and uh, be, they're coached by Lovey, somebody that we know very, very well. And we know that even though he may not have the talent that he wants on his football team, he's going to get maximum effort from those guys. And and when you're able to do that, you put yourself in a position to, to surprise some people from time to time. Uh, unfortunately, he just ran into a buzzsaw that is the Philadelphia Eagles right now and, and wasn't able to, to finish the job. But, uh, you know, I would think that um, the effort given uh, this Thursday is something that the Texans probably feel they can build on. So moving on to the Sunday slate, we got the Chargers uh, visiting the Falcons in Atlanta. And, you know, Cordell Patterson returns from injured reserve, uh, got his knee scoped and was out for four games uh, just right off the bat, uh, makes his presence known early on with a one-yard touchdown run. Uh, on the opening drive to give the Falcons an early lead there. Um, you know, they also got a field goal on the second drive to win the first quarter 10 nothing. Uh, the Chargers didn't get their first first down until early in the second quarter, so it really took them a while to kind of get their you-know-what together uh, and start moving the, uh, the football. Uh, and back-to-back drives end in Austin Eckler touchdowns, giving the Chargers a 14-10 to uh, lead uh, in the ballgame. Uh, the second half is where all the fireworks uh, took place. The 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 Falcons were were moving the ball uh, down the field, and then in a in a in a sequence that would give Bear fans nightmares, uh, Drake London, the the Falcons' number one pick uh, this year, the receiver out of USC, catches the football. He's uh, running up the field, runs into a defender, and is trying to like charge his way up the field. And who comes but up from behind and just literally takes the ball out of his hands? a la Emir Smith-Marset against the Vikings. But Khalil Mack rips the ball out of his hands, turns around and runs it back in the other uh, direction, uh, killing, the, killing the drive. I mean, it was, uh, it was pretty crazy. And, 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 a, and a really unfortunate sequence for the Falcons because a few plays prior to the, inter, to the fumble, um, Cordell Patterson scored a, like a 30-plus yard touchdown run. They got called back because of a penalty. And then a couple of plays after that, Khalil's ripping the ball out of Drake London's hands, killing any killing the promising drive altogether. Um, you know, later on the Falcons were able to get a deflection uh, interception almost immediately. Actually, uh, afterwards, like you know, two three plays later, uh, the Falcons got the ball right back, and then the Falcons were able to finish that drive with a second Cordero Patterson touchdown run, where he literally truck sticked the uh, defender, put him flat on his back, and ran it in for the touchdown to get the late lead uh, or get the lead late in the third quarter, uh, I should say. And then uh, going back and forth uh, in the game, a crazy sequence uh, late in the fourth quarter. The The Chargers have the football. They, it's tied at 17. It looks like they're driving to try to uh, take the late lead, at least try to get a field goal. Uh, Austin Eckler has the football. He fumbles the football, all right? One of the Falcons defenders picks it up starts rumbling down the field, is in uh, oh, San Diego. Come on, Larry. Uh, Los Angeles territory, in Charger territory, and just out of nowhere, just drops the ball. It, I, I mean, I've seen the replay a couple of times. He didn't, like, hit his own thigh or bounce. He just literally dropped the ball. And the Chargers ended up recovering. Now, when I'm watching this play initially, I'm thinking, like, oh, that's coming back because Eckler looked like his knee was down when he when he fumbled the ball and the what was what was crazy for me was that I was watching the uh highlight package on the NFL's YouTube channel and it just immediately cuts to San Diego having the ball so we we didn't get to see any of the uh you know replay or the you know replay time where they were talking about showing the replay of the ball coming out uh or anything <laughs> like that it's just the chargers had the ball where they recovered it near midfield 
And I was like, oh, my God. So they said, so they're saying that Eckler did fumble the ball. My man did recover it. The Falcons, drove, you know, ran it all the way back. So it ended up being like a 30-yard loss or something when it was all said and done. It ended up being like a 30-yard loss for the Chargers, and they were able to hang on to the football, drive it downfield, and kick the game-winning field goal off of that. I mean, the Falcons probably needed like a first down or two, and they're the ones kicking the game winner if my guy doesn't fumble the football right back to him on the same play uh, that he got it from. It was a, a wild, wild finish. Uh, in Atlanta. I don't know what it is about what's going on in that stadium right now. I'm kind of scared because the Bears are going to play there in two weeks. Uh, we play the we play the Lions this week, and then we travel to Atlanta the week after that. The last two games that I've watched in Atlanta, the DJ Moore catching the Hail Mary and then throwing his helmet and getting called for unsportsmanlike conduct, the 15-yard penalty uh, causes the kicker to hook it wide left so they go to overtime when Carolina should have been winning the football game. And then uh, Carolina ends up losing it uh, after they miss another field goal in overtime. And then Atlanta finally kicks the, the game winner uh, to steal that game. And then this madness uh, taking place there as well. It's like I'm, I'm nervous about my Bears going to Mercedes-Benz Stadium in a couple of weeks. I don't know what kind of chaos they're running into. Speaking of which... Dolphins visiting Chicago and Soldier Field um, on Sunday. Uh, and it was another week where the defense just kind of came up short. You know, it's just they could not stop the Dolphins. They went up and down the field um, on the Bears uh, once again. Let me see if I can pull it up to see what the, um, what the third down stats and everything were like. Team stats here. Third down, five for ten. That doesn't seem right. It it felt like a lot worse than that. I'll be honest with you, because on one of their touchdown drives, I think it might have been the touchdown drive just before halftime, the uh, Dolphins converted three third downs on that drive alone. You know, a third and two, they got uh, twelve yards. Third and seven, they got eighteen, and then the touchdown itself was on third and seven, and they scored a ten, ten yard uh, touchdown on on that one. As well, Tua was just uh, you know finding uh, Hill and uh, you know um, Waddle over and over again, and not only was he finding them, they were absolutely ridiculously wide open uh, every single time. Uh, and the defense giving up thirty five points overshadows. I mean, not as much because it's been the main headline and and the thing that everybody's been talking about uh, from the game, but it it really does kind of overshadow the performance that Justin Fields gave uh, in this game. Set the all-time single-game rushing record for a quarterback with 178 yards rushing, breaking Michael Vick's record of 173. Um, you know, but they were the Dolphins were virtually unstoppable on offense, and not only were they finding Waddle and Hill, which isn't which isn't crazy because with you got a first-round pick and a guy making 30 million a year, those you you expect those guys to make plays. Otherwise, you know what the hell do you have them on your team for? Uh, kind of thing. But it was the fact that they were so wide open that they kept finding that soft spot in the middle of the zone, uh, in the middle of the field, and they'd be ridiculously wide open. They'd make a catch eight yards from the line of scrimmage, but would end up within you know anywhere from a fifteen to twenty yard uh, reception. I remember Kevin Harlan, the the announcer for the game, uh, like the play before the Dolphins would score. He's like Hill with a catch of twelve, Waddle with a catch of twenty two so-and-so with a catch of 17, and it's just like these big chunks just going down the field, and the Bears just couldn't stop it. I mean, they finally figured it out in the fourth quarter and kept the Dolphins off the scoreboard then, but it was too little too late uh, by that point. The Bears weren't able to um, weren't able to answer. Uh, I mean, well, actually, we'll never know because the Bears kind of got screwed by the refs, and I don't really – and obviously I'm biased as a Bears fan, but come on, man. Uh, Chase Claypool, it was third and 10 on the final drive for the Bears. Uh, Fields tries to, you know, get a 50-50 ball. This is what we traded uh, for Claypool for, to be able to, to win these kinds of battles. And the guy, the defender, has uh, Claypool around the waist and is dragging him to the ground. No pass interference. And then on fourth down, Equinemius St. Brown, uh, just good old-fashioned butterfingers. It went right through his hands. It would have been a first down and extended the drive and, and gave the Bears a chance. 
But uh, instead, it was just uh, fall innocent, fell innocently to the ground. Uh, the Bears give the ball back to, to, to the Dolphins, and they come away with the win, 35-32. to 32. Uh, I take the L as a Bears fan, but I picked the Dolphins to win. So at this point, I'm 2-1 and one, uh, with the uh, picks. So disappointing uh, outcome, but another outstanding effort from the offense. But just, you know, the defense is killing us right now. It just... We've averaged 31 points a game the last three weeks, and we're one and two in those games because we've also, the last two weeks, we've given up 49 and 35 points. That's not a recipe for success when you're trying to win football games. Moving on to Cincinnati, the Panthers in town to uh, take on the Bengals. Uh, This one was uh, no contest whatsoever. Uh, Running back Joe Mixon with four first-half touchdowns, three rushing one receiving. Uh, Burrow had a one-yard touchdown run in the first half for a 35 to nothing halftime lead uh, for the Bengals. Uh, P.J. Walker, the XFL hero, uh, was benched at halftime after two interceptions in the first half and about 30 yards of total offense uh, for the Panthers. Uh, Baker Mayfield comes in and leads three scoring drives in the second half to make the score more respectable, but a fourth rushing touchdown for Mixon in the second half gave the Bengals a 42 point day and they end up winning the game 42 21 I got that pick right we're three and one going into Detroit where the Lions were hosting the Packers and um, you you guys remember when when we talked about this game in the preview episode I said I'm picking the Packers but I would not at all be surprised if the Lions won this game this is just something horribly wrong with Green Bay especially with their offense right now and I'll be damned if I wasn't right about it they only managed nine points in this game and and what was really uh surprising about it was the fact that the reason the Packers weren't scoring wasn't because they weren't moving the football because they absolutely were up and down the field every chance they got however far uh, far god help me uh Rodgers who did a Brett Favre impersonation by throwing three red zone interceptions uh in this game you know, uh, the the it, I mean, let's just go back to the beginning. The opening drive it ends up in no points for the Lions. They go for it on fourth down, and they come up short. They they love to go for it on fourth down for some reason. I guess they don't rely, they don't have a good kicker or, or whatever the situation is. But you know, when you're when lately when you're having p- trouble scoring points, you take them everywhere, every chance you get. And the the Lions like to be aggressive and go for it on fourth down. They came up short inside the ten yard line. The Packers take that, drive it right down the field, but a deflected pass a la Justin Fields against the Commanders a few weeks ago uh, ends up in uh, the hands of the Lions in the end zone, turning Green Bay away with nothing. So two red zone uh, drives to start the game, one for each team. Uh, One is a turnover on downs. The other one is a good old-fashioned interception, and you got nothing going on uh, in the first quarter there. Uh, The Packers got another red zone opportunity later on, and uh, the, the Packers tried to get cute and do a little misdirection play to throw it to their left tackle, Dave Bakhtiari. And Aiden Hutchinson, the number two overall pick in this year's draft, steps in front of it and picks it off, and another red zone opportunity is dashed. Uh, the Lions finally got themselves on the board and got some scoring uh, in before halftime. They scored a touchdown. The tight end, Zulstra, who I'm guessing is the first guy off the bench after the Hutchinson, or not Hutchinson, um, Hawkinson, Trade. They sent him to Minnesota uh, last week. Uh, gets them on the board. Uh, the, the the Packers had some kind of penalty, giving the uh, Lions the ball at the one yard line for the for the um, conversion uh, try. They end up going for two and get it. So it's eight nothing at halftime uh, for Green Bay. And then, I mean, it just just kind of shows you know how things are going in Green Bay. Uh, right now it's like things that used to give these guys a boost to give the momentum or to kind of bury the team they were playing just ends up going against them it's just I just just not Green Bay's year I guess because Jair Alexander picks off uh, Jared Goff to give the Packers yet another red zone opportunity only to have Rodgers throw his third interception in the red zone to kill that drive uh, as well and this one was where the receiver just simply or excuse me the defender simply just stepped in front of it uh, and was able to to come away. Uh, Green Bay finally scored in the third quarter 
when when uh, they were finally able to convert, uh, you know, put it in the end zone. Rodgers find uh, Alan Lazard tried to go for two to tie it up, but failed. So it's eight six now. Lions in the ensuing drive, the Lions answer um, and drive uh, when they when uh, Goff found uh, the rookie tight end Mitchell in the end zone to make it fifteen to six. Another red zone trip is wasted as Green Bay has to settle for a field goal to make it 15-9. And the Packers had a shot at the end to try to score another touchdown to at the very least tie it at 15 or, you know, try to win it there. But um, could not get it done and uh, come up short, losing the game 15-9. This is their fifth loss in a row. They fall to 3-6. and six. Uh, The Lions, I think this is their first game after the bye. Uh, we're 2-6 and six now with the win. They come to Chicago. Uh, on Sunday, I'm not sure what Green Bay's got on tap for themselves uh, coming up, but uh, with the way they're playing, it can't be good. Um, oh, they got the Cowboys. They're on the bye now, actually, so can't lose if you don't play. But when they come back from the bye, they got the, the Cowboys, the Titans, and the Eagles. Ouch. This could be 3-9 and nine with the way they're playing right now, and ugly 3-9 and nine when they come into Soldier Field week 13 before the bye. Very, very interesting. <laughs> this thing is going sideways so fast. And the thing about it is, as a Bear fan, it's it's not so much a pleasure to watch Green Bay lose because I hate the Packers. It's it's more so, I hate Aaron Rodgers. You know, I, I, I think he's an amazing first ballot Hall of Fame quarterback. I love to watch the guy play. I just don't like the guy. Not a fan of the person, you know, and... um I'm enjoying watching him struggle, you know, and I'm just enjoying that. Call me, you know, I don't care. I like it. So moving on, we go to New England where the uh, Patriots were hosting the Indianapolis Colts and not much to talk about here. You know, defense ruled uh, the first quarter, lots of sacks and no points. Uh, Patriots won the second quarter, 13 to nothing, started with a couple of field goals and then capitalized on a uh, block punt. Uh, that the uh, Patriots uh, got uh, that turned into a Mac Jones to uh, the running back Stevenson touchdown pass uh, in the second half. The Patriots just continued to harass uh, Erlinger, the, the or Ellinger, excuse me, the quarterback uh, for the Colts. Nine sacks uh, in the ball game, and and then uh, Ellinger throws a pick six late in the fourth quarter to close out the scoring. The Patriots winning twenty six to. Three, of course, the the headlines from this game came yesterday, uh, or came, well, came earlier today, I should say, uh, on Monday when uh, the Colts fired uh, Frank Reich as their head coach, which was a surprising move, considering Jim Irsay just signed uh, Reich to an extension through twenty twenty six during the off season, and um, <laughs> just shocked the world by hiring Jeff Saturday as the interim head coach out of nowhere. He's got no coaching experience at the, at the NFL level, none at the college level. He's the head coach of some school down in uh, some high school down in Georgia. And now he's the head coach of the Indianapolis Colts, at least for the next eight weeks. I, I, I don't, I don't get that. I mean, it's, I, I mean, I can only just begin to hear the outcry from people, especially those, um, for you know, in support of minority coaches and 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 things like that, for for Ursa to just do this this way and and not hire somebody who's already on staff. He's got two head coaches on the staff: John Fox, uh, who obviously we know very well, and uh, Gus Bradley, who was head coach for the Jaguars for a few years, um, not too long ago. Uh, they also have Reggie Wayne as their wide receiver coach. I mean, if you're going to try to you know, make it a player who's, you know, from the glory days or whatever. You got a guy on staff and he's a minority. It would have been a really good look uh, for, for Indianapolis. But instead, they uh, they pull uh, Jeff Saturday out of the analyst desk at ESPN. And uh, now he's the head football coach uh, of an NFL team simply out of nowhere. And it's just, um, it's it's a bad look. Bad, bad look. Across the board. Because it's insane that he's the job, that he got the job, period. And... When you consider everything else, the two head coaches on staff, Reggie Wayne is also on staff. If you want to give the job to somebody with no experience, somebody who might offer a different perspective, you have, you've had a guy in the building all along, and it would also kind of 
you know, for PR reasons, just if, if for no other reason, for PR reasons, Reggie Wayne to be your eight coach uh, here, head coach for the next eight weeks would have been a pretty good look, but instead, you know, Ursay opens himself up to a ton of, of criticism, not only for firing Reich, but for hiring Saturday for not even considering a minority uh, coach in the position and all that kind of stuff. It's, you know, as I don't care about this stuff, to be quite frankly, I just, you know, I, I'm, I hate when, when, when politics gets involved in things like that. And, and, you know, for, for lack of a better term, the, the minority coaching thing is, is a little bit of politics. I mean, it's definitely something that's needed uh, in, in, the, in the league is more diversity. Um, but you also want the best person uh, for the job. And, and in the end, that's decision of the owners and, and things like that because it's a huge investment that they're making. And, um, you know, I think, it will, I think the, 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 the corner will get turned one of these days and it will start to even out uh, a bit. But, um, you know, as I just... I hate when this kind of stuff happens and, and you just know that the, the Colts are just asking for trouble with what they did and we'll see how it all works out. Cause this has got disaster written all over it. <laughs> this episode of the bears talk underground is brought to you by points bet guys. It's finally here. Sports drink and points bet have partnered up to bring you the world's greatest BTU theme threads for the Bears season. Just imagine the blue and orange confetti can cascading down from the rafters of State Farm Stadium while you're donning the greatest t-shirt known to man, a Bears Talk Underground t-shirt. And it's very simple. You got to go to sportsdrink.org slash shirts, fill out the quick Google form, register for your points bet account, and deposit at least $10. That's all it's going to cost you if you want to get your hands on this t-shirt. And then finally, you upload your proof of deposit uh, as well. Once you submit... Our beautiful friends will have your shirt out the door and on the way to you. And once again, that is sportsdrink.org slash shirts. Once again, sportsdrink.org slash shirts. Guys, I'm in my 16th season doing this show. It's the first time I've had a shirt available for my podcast. I'm so proud to finally have one, and I want you to have it. So follow the steps and get yourself your very own Bearstalk Underground t-shirt today. And thank you to PointsBet for partnering up with SportsDrink. And thanks to PointsBet for sponsoring the podcast. <laughs> anyway, uh, I got the win with the um, with the Colts losing to New England. I'm at four and two. The other loss came with uh, with the Lions beating the Packers. I picked Green Bay, so we're at four and two going into Jets Bills. And man, what a crazy sequence just to start the game out there uh, in New York. The Jets kicker slips on the opening kickoff and it, it essentially becomes you know like a surprise onside for for all the for all the juice coming off the ball when he kicked it the the bills recover it near midfield and then on the first play Josh Allen hits Stefan Diggs for like a 30 yard reception to gets them deep inside the red zone on the very first play and then a play or two later, Allen's rolling around, looking downfield, and throws a, throws a really bad interception. So it's just like what looked like, oh, Buffalo, here's the Buffalo rolling again, is turned away innocently because Allen threw a really bad interception uh, to kill the drive. Uh, but the Bills were able to take their next drive downfield and finish it uh, with Allen running a quarterback sneak to give themselves an early 7-0 lead. Uh, Allen also added another uh, touchdown on a design run this time from 36 yards out to make it 14-3 to late in the third quarter. But the Jets would answer back with a really nice drive, uh, ending in, in Michael Carter uh, in a Michael Carter run to make it 14-10 to after the Bills miss a field goal to end the first half fun. So, you know, it, it was uh, a very important touchdown that the, uh, that the Jets scored, and the game was basically theirs uh, in the second half. Uh, they were really pounding the ball down Buffalo's throat, running the football game with, with James Robinson, who they got from the Jaguars after um, Brees Hall went down with the ACL uh, injury. And, uh, you know, we already talked about Michael Carter. He was running like a beast uh, as well. They were absolutely gashing uh, the Bills uh, in the running game. Um, the, the, you know, Robinson scored a touchdown, make it 17-14. to 14. The Bills answered with a field goal at the start of the uh, fourth quarter, make it 17 17- all but um 
you know, the the that's when uh, the Jets really started to take over the game, especially with the run game there with Robinson uh, and Carter. The drive stalled out in the red zone, but they got the lead with a short field goal uh, with, I think, less than a couple of minutes to go uh, in the game. And the uh, the Bills just couldn't get uh, anything going on that last drive. They come up short, and the Jets win the game 20-17. to 17. And um, here's what's crazy. The Bills are 0-2 in the AFC East. This is only their second division game of the season thus far. 0-2 in the AFC East, 6-0 versus everybody else. They need to figure out how to win some of these uh, division games. You know, they've lost to the, to the Dolphins and the um, uh, Jets uh, so far. Obviously, they got two more games. They got two games with the Patriots and then one each with the Dolphins and the Jets. Uh, I mean, this is the kind of thing that, that uh, you know, despite their win over Kansas City, um, could have them visiting Kansas City in the playoffs as they keep losing these division games and their overall record puts them behind uh, KC uh, in the standings. Right now, both teams are tied at 6-2 and two, with the Bills having the head-to-head over that. But if it's even just one football game, they're going to Kansas City trying to win an arrowhead again like they did last year. And, you know, they, they, they won an arrowhead the last two years in the regular season, but in the playoffs is when it really counts and they came up short. Uh, out there last year so interesting that uh, gives me the l i'm at four and three now uh commanders hosting the vikings and um on a uniform snob note i I still can't tell whether or not i i love or hate the all black unis for the commanders and it's and it's a mixed bag because from the television view where you're seeing the field and you're seeing all the players and things like that i don't really love it because it just looks like black and yellow or black and gold, whatever you want to call it. Um, you know, I'm not a fan of the, of the gold. But when you see the uniforms up close, then I like it a bit. Because then you get to see the, the dark uh, red or maroon burgundy trim around the numbers, around the, the numbers on the, on the helmets, around the numbers on the jerseys. Uh, and it looks a lot better. But from the, you know, wide view, it just looks like black and gold, and I'm not a fan. So it's, it's really weird. I did like the uh, camouflage logo at midfield. Uh, though so now that we got that nonsense out of the way <laughs> the Vikings took the opening drive down the field and scored with a touchdown from Justin Jefferson I think I think they said that was his first TD since week one since he beat up on the Packers uh, week one nonetheless um, you know his first touchdown puts them up seven nothing uh, early on Curtis Samuel made a crazy catch in triple coverage uh, from about 49 yards out to to take the lead in the third quarter because it was a defensive struggle. They added a field goal just before halftime, uh, scored the lead, scored that touchdown. It was like, I can't, really can't even describe how it happened. It just looked like it was a mistake. But somehow Curtis Samuel catches the football, rolls into the end zone because he was untouched for the touchdown to make it 10-7. And a uh, face mask call from the uh, – extends the commander drive at the, after the Vikings got a sack on Heineke on – on third down, the Commanders take advantage to score a touchdown, make it seventeen uh, to seven. So it's just like the, the, the Commanders are really struggling to kind of get things going because the Minnesota pass rush was on Heineke's back all day long, all day long. They're harassing this kid and didn't really get the uh, the total uh, for the for sacks and everything. Let me see if I can pull it up here real quick. But it's just like they were constantly up his, uh, you know what, uh, in the game, or at least that's how they made it look in the. Highlight package says they only got three sacks. That doesn't sound right, but I guess so. That's there are the stats staring me right in the face. Um, but I mean, he was constantly under pressure. You know, either uh, you know just barely getting it away or getting hit as he threw. You know that kind of thing. Uh, and uh, some over aggressive uh, Viking grabs the face mask and extends the drive because it was third down. So they were looking to get uh, the Commanders off the field, and instead it extends the drive and they score a touchdown, make it seventeen to seven. Harrison Smith. Uh, picks off an, uh, a, a ball and gives the Vikings the ball in the red zone. Uh, Cousins uh, hits Dalvin Cook for a touchdown uh, to make it 17-17 uh, at that point. And then the Vikings, an interesting sequence at the end. The Vikings kick a field goal with about a, 50, uh, a minute 52 to go in the game. It would have given them the lead at 2017, but it would also have given the ball back to the commanders to see if they could either tie or, or go ahead. 
But an unsportsmanlike penalty, unsportsmanlike conduct penalty on the commanders gives the Vikings the first down. And basically what they ended up doing was hanging on to the football for as long as possible and then kick the game-winning field goal with about 12 seconds to go, robbing the commanders of basically of any chance whatsoever to, uh, to try to answer or come back or, or, or win uh, the football game. So it's, it's amazing how, you know, a penalty like that at, at, the, at the absolute wrong time can absolutely just sandbag your sandbag an opportunity to win a football game. But the Vikings come away with the win. I think that's six in a row for them. They're seven and one right now. They're only lost to the undefeated uh, Eagles in week two. And gives me the win as well. I'm five and three now. Uh, Jaguars hosting the Raiders. And man, the Raiders are an absolute mess right now. I think I think somebody said this was the third time that they've had like a three score lead on an opponent only to lose the football game. Because that's exactly what happened here. The Jaguars um, make an early mistake and, and uh, end a promising drive when a uh, quarterback running back exchange turns into a turnover. Like, you know, Lawrence went to hand the ball off to his, I think it was Hasty was the running back. Neither one of them really gets a handle on it. Next thing you know, the Raiders are on top of it. Uh, they drive down the field and finish when Derek Carr finds uh, Devontae Adams for the touchdown. Um, after uh, Carlson, the kicker for uh, Las Vegas, kicks the ten kicks a field goal to make it ten nothing. The next Raider possession ends with another touchdown pass from Carr to Devontae Adams, and this time Carr had about eighty five seconds to throw the football. And when he found Devontae Adams, he was so wide open because his defender slipped and fell down that it was it was pitch and catch. It was there was yeah, it was the easiest touchdown anybody's going to score uh, this year. But Jacksonville kind of came buzzing back there just before halftime because it was 17 to nothing after that uh, the, that second Devontae Adams touchdown. But they were able to, to squeeze in a, um, a Travis Etienne touchdown and a field goal just before, right at the buzzer uh, of the first half to make it 20 to 10 uh, at halftime. And then the second half was all Jacksonville. It was a 17 nothing second half uh, for Jacksonville. They scored all the points. Uh, the opening drive of the second half ended with a Christian Kurt uh, touchdown uh, to make it 2017 Raiders. And then the Jags took the lead for good on the first play of the fourth quarter uh, when ATN uh, ran it in from about five yards out to take the lead 24-20. They add a field goal late with about a minute to go uh, in the game, and that was it. But, I mean, this is the third time that the Raiders have blown a huge lead like this. Um, I, I don't know what the second time was, but obviously the first time was when they had the Cardinals dead to rights at home, you know, had like a 20 point lead, end up giving up the, the lead. They tie, they go to overtime and Arizona wins it in overtime. And then this game here uh, against the Jaguars. I mean, it's, it's no wonder that Raider fans want Josh McDaniels fired. I mean, it's, it's not, they're just not They're They're on paper. They are way too talented to be playing like this. It's like on paper with the moves that they made, Trading for Devontae Adams, signing Chandler Jones, adding him to Max Crosby. They have Josh Jacobs. They have Darren Waller. Uh, you know, Derek Carr's, you know, a solid NFL quarterback. This is just, you know, this is no way to, to, to win football games. Oh, the second one was the Chiefs game. They were up like 20 to nothing on the Chiefs on Monday night before the Chiefs came back and beat them uh, late in that football game. So, yeah, that was the other time. But three times... The Ra- I mean that and two and six, that's that's they're two and six now. That's the difference between them being two and six now and they're possibly being five and three. I mean, we're it's a completely different narrative that way. They if they win those three games, they had those huge leads in. They're a five and three football team, and and right now in the uh, in the AFC West, I believe that puts them in pretty good standing. Actually, let me take a look at the. Yeah, at five and three, they're they're a game back of uh, of the Chiefs at six and two. Well, actually, the Chiefs would also be six and two, so technically they'd be in first place right now if they'd have won those three games because they'd have the head to head over Kansas City. Kansas City would also be five and three. Actually, they'd be behind the Chargers because they lost to the Chargers week one. So, but it would be a three way tie for first place in the West right now at five and three with the Chiefs, the Chargers, and the. Uh, Raiders, but because the Raiders, you know, can't close or, or anything like that, they're uh, they're a two and six football team and dead last in that division, even behind 
the the woeful uh, Denver Broncos uh, at this point. And you know, it's it is getting to the point where the seat is getting hot there uh, out in Vegas, and uh, you know, Mark Davis is uh, going to have a decision to make when the season ends. You know, do we hang on to uh, Josh McDaniel, or do you just go ahead and just nip that thing in the bud and bring somebody else in? Because it's obviously not working right now. You know, it's like they're just, like I said, way too talented on paper. They've got too much going for them. Uh, and on the raw, I mean, they have a roster that most teams would kill to have, and they're two and six right now with that roster. It's uh, not a good look at all. Moving into the very short late afternoon slate, there were only two games the Bucks and the Rams, and the Cardinals and the Seahawks. And, um, you know, obviously the big game for everybody on 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 paper anyway was the Rams and the Buccaneers. The the you know the uh, rematch of the the big uh, the awesome divisional round playoff game they had uh, last season. It's also the last two world champions going head to head, but both teams coming in at three and five, or three and four and three and five or something like that. And uh, it just it played like it. It was not a very entertaining football game. Both offenses that have oodles of talent on both sides cannot figure out how to score points. And it's not because the Bucks and the Rams have outstanding, have just, you know, otherworldly outstanding defenses. I mean, obviously, these are talented rosters. I mean, everybody is surprised, including me, that these teams had losing records coming into this football game. Um, but, I mean, it's, it's uh, I mean, they're just not playing well on either side of the ball uh, right now. You know, the Buccaneers scored... Uh, and a drive, uh, opening drive field goal. Uh, the Rams got on the board early in the second quarter with a long touchdown pass from Stafford to Cooper Cup. The 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 Bucks went, had it a field goal at seven six at halftime between these two teams. Seriously, seven six. Uh, you know the the Rams moved the ball well in the third quarter, but only had a couple of field goals to show for it. It's thirteen to six. the The Bucks add another field goal, made it thirteen to nine. You get where I'm going with this? This is what it was like. I mean, the, the games. They were struggling to move the football. There was, you know, lots of punting going on and, and all that kind of stuff. And then when anybody got in any kind of uh, field, I mean, the one touchdown scored was like a 70-yard touchdown pass. So it wasn't like the Rams drove the length of the field and then put it in from a yard out. They, they had a big play. They, they had, a, you know, a busted coverage uh, by the Bucks and, and Cooper Cup made them pay for it. Um, later on in the football game, Scotty Miller drops what would sure have been a, would have been a short touchdown. With about two minutes to go, Scotty Miller receiver for the Buccaneers, and one play later, the Buccaneers turn it over on downs with about a buck fifty-seven to go. The Rams still up thirteen to nine. They try to run out the clock, but they end up giving the ball back to Tampa Bay with about fifty-four seconds to go. And Brady then proceeds to lead the Buccaneers on a six-play, sixty-yard drive, uh, ending with a touchdown to his tight end Otten uh, to to win the game sixteen to thirteen, and then that becomes the story. Not that it was a boring-ass game between two very disappointing teams, but that Tom Brady did his thing one more time uh, and, and got uh, uh, the win over the, over the Rams because everybody was talking about Brady with a spring in his step coming into the press conference afterwards and talking about how awesome it was that they won and blah, blah, blah. It's like, this game sucked. It did. Um, I picked the Rams to win, and I, they should have, quite frankly. I don't know what the hell they were trying to do with that drive at the end of the football game, but um, giving it back to the Buccaneers, they were just asking for trouble, and sure enough, they got it. Drops me to 6-4 and four, um, with the last Sunday afternoon game, Seahawks at the Cardinals. The Seahawks looking to uh, do, the, do a sweep on the Cardinals, having beaten them a few weeks ago, I think week six, when these two teams met in Seattle, a boring defensive snooze fest. Uh, of a football game uh, in that one. Um, they brought their offenses to this one, 31-21 final score with the Seahawks beating up on the uh, on the Falcons here. You know, it was uh, it was an interesting football game. I mean, and the Cardinals at one point, they got pinned back at their own one-yard line and were able to get the ball moving. It was just before halftime, I believe. They got the ball. They're, they're moving it very well. They're, they got it in the Seahawk territory. But while scrambling on third down, uh, Kyler Murray is running up the field and fumbles the ball. He got his arm scraped by one of the defenders. It caused him to smack the ball up against his thigh. The ball comes out, and the Seahawks recover 
killing the drive. And that basically sums up the day uh, for the uh, for the Cardinals. Uh, they, they just didn't have an answer uh, for the Seahawks. The Seahawks just, you know, they're 6-3 and three after this win. I mean, they're playing outstanding football uh, right now. They're fir- in first place in their division because the 49ers – before you know, the 49ers and the Rams are not the teams everyone thought they were going to be uh, this year. I mean, they're running away with the division, quite frankly, uh, right now. You know, but um, they they come away with a big win on this one, 31-21. Uh, puts me at seven and four going into the Sunday night game, and the Sunday night game had its drama, but it was also kind of a boring back and forth uh, type of football game. If you love defense, this is the game for you, uh, kind of thing. The Chiefs got out to a 9-0 lead uh, on the Titans. They, they kicked a field goal from Butker. Amico Hardman scored a touchdown, but they missed the extra point. Uh, and then Malik Willis, uh, starting for the injured Ryan Tannehill for the second week, a row, second week in a row, is leading the, leads the offense uh, to fight back. Uh, he made some nice throws to his tight ends. because uh, I know it was to his tight ends because they were talking in the fourth quarter about how they had no, no receiver had caught a pass at that point uh, in the football game. I don't know that it ever happened. Uh, to be honest with you, but uh, thanks to him and his tight ends and moving the football with Derrick Henry, uh, two short touchdown runs from Derrick Henry gave Tennessee a 14-9 lead uh, at the half, and then the second half was was even more of a defensive struggle, especially for the uh, Titans. Uh, Malik Willis had over 80 yards passing at halftime, but had negative two yards in the second half going into the final drive uh, of the game. So needless to say, they were struggling, and Kansas City was really focusing on stopping Derrick Henry, which they were fairly effective doing because Henry had something like 90 yards rushing in the first half. And uh, let me see where he, uh, where he finished. He had 90 yards rushing in the first half. Derrick Henry finished with 115. So, yeah, 23 yards rushing on X amount of carries in the second half. No touchdowns is, uh, yeah, no bueno. It uh so late in the uh, in the game, Mahomes caps off a 13-play, 93-yard drive with a scramble for a touchdown and then did it again on the two-point play, ran it in to tie it at 17 with 2.56 to go. Um, then in overtime, uh, the Chiefs had the football, kick a field goal from Butker with about four minutes to go, and the Titans weren't able to uh, answer. It was like Willis kept trying to stay alive to get the ball downfield, uh, to a receiver, but just kept backing himself up into more and more trouble, getting sacked for huge losses to the point where, you know, they had to convert on fourth and 26 just to stay alive uh, and, you know, weren't able to do it. And that was the end of it. The Chiefs come away with the win 20 to 17 in overtime. Uh, they go to six and two. The Titans fall to five and three. Uh, I go to eight and four going into the Monday night game that just wrapped up here a little while ago. Saints hosting the Ravens. This is the first game as a Raven for uh, Roquan Smith. Of course, we wish him all the best, except for whenever it is the next time we play the Baltimore Ravens, if he's still on the team, quite frankly. Um, but this is a game that was basically dominated uh, by the uh, by the Ravens. You know, they, they, they moved the ball very well on the opening drive, mainly passing from the Ravens to start the football game. Uh, the drive ended with what looked like what was looking like a designed quarterback sweep, but all of a sudden Lamar Jackson pulls up, heaves a little pass down the field, finds his tight end kindly uh, for a touchdown to go up seven nothing early. The Ravens also had a long drive in the second quarter that ended with Kenyon Drake's first touchdown run, and New Orleans, which was I think like zero for five, zero for six, or something like that on third down uh, in the first half, finally got a drive together before halftime. But the Ravens uh, shut them down, and they had to settle for a Will Lutz field goal just before the half to make it 14-3. to um, The second half for the game uh, involved a lot more running for the Ravens. Like, they were content with the lead that they had, weren't really worried about the Saints or whatever the philosophy was. They were just running it down their throats with Lamar Jackson, with Kenyon Drake, and, you know, any others that were running the um, the football <laughs> The, the Saints were able to uh, put together a drive to, uh, you know, to get the ball down the field again, but it was stamped out in the red zone. They had to settle for another Will Lutz field goal, uh, making it 17-6 to at that point in the game. Uh, Dalton had a pass deflected and intercepted at the Saints' own 20-yard line, and 
like I said, the, the more running-focused Ravens pounded it down their throat uh, to put that one in the end zone. Uh, Drake scoring the second touchdown, making it 27-6. to And the Saints add a late touchdown from Jawan Johnson to complete the scoring. Final score there, 27-13 uh, for, the, uh, for the Ravens, giving me the win. I finished 9-4 and four on the week. Not bad, if I say so uh, myself. So... I guess that's it. You know, those are the week nine games, the the rundown of the outcomes. I'm talking about uh, player player of the week. I'm going to have to go with Joe Mixon. You know, five, four touchdowns, five actually, four rushing touchdowns, one receiving touchdown, you know, in a blowout win over the uh, Panthers at home. Obviously, Justin Fields was a huge candidate, but – his team lost on Sunday. <laughs> Joe Mixon was the reason that uh, Cincinnati was able to blow out the Bengals uh, on Sunday, the 42-21 to win, uh, helping them uh, keep pace uh, in the conference and uh, in the division. I think they're only a game behind um, Baltimore uh, at this point with that win. Yeah, they're one game. And it's basically the game that they lost to Baltimore that they're behind. Uh, right now, so with six and three, the Ravens five and four, Bengals, and then the Browns are three and five. The Steelers are two and six. They're both on the bye uh, this week. So, yeah, but um, got to go with Joe Mixon because not only did he score, you know, ninety percent of the points for the uh, for the Bengals, but his team won uh, on Sunday. You know, had the Bears won, I'm going with Justin Fields all day. You can call me biased or a homer or whatever. I don't care, but. Um, they came up short, so I got to go with the guy who won player of the week for week nine is Joe Mixon. All right, guys, that is going to do it. Come back on Thursday when we will preview week number 10 uh, with the uh, with these uh, football games here. And uh, let's see, what do we got on slate for week 10? Thursday, Carolina and Atlanta rematch. You got uh, Bears-Lions. You got Bills in Minnesota. That's going to be interesting. Uh, Kansas City and Jacksonville, Miami and Cleveland. Let's see, any other decent? Oh, here's a good one. Las Vegas and Indianapolis. These two dumpster fires taking taking each other on. Oh, wait, no, Green Bay isn't. Uh, they don't have the bye. What was I thinking? They have the same bye week as us. They have to take the Cowboys on uh, this Sunday. That might not work out. Yeah, interesting. So we'll, we'll we'll talk about all those games and how I think they're going to go on Thursday. And then Friday, we will be back with the Bears-Lions preview and our good friend Jeremy Reisman from Pride of Detroit back, as always, to help us preview uh, this matchup. He and I were, were uh, messaging each other on Sunday during the game, um, during the games, and um, we had some opinions on how the game might go uh, between our teams on Sunday. We'll talk about that on Friday, so come back for all of that. And until then, my name is Larry D, and this has been the Bears Talk Underground. Some people just know there's a better way to do things, like bundling your home and auto insurance with Allstate. Or hiring someone to move your piano instead of doing it yourself. So, do things the better way. Bundle home and auto and save up to 25% with Allstate. Bundled savings vary by state and are not available in every state. Saving up to 25% is the countrywide average of the maximum available savings off the home policy. Allstate Vehicle and Property Insurance Company and Affiliates, Northbrook, Illinois.